Today we're going to be in Romans chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. It tells us in God's word, Romans chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Say, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justified the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord would not count his sin. Verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? or also for the uncircumcised. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision at the seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was self, self while he still was circumcised, uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness will be counted to them as well. Verse 12. And to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who are also who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. There was a lot that I just read, and coming you guys are like crest, and I don't know what you're talking about. Um, let me pray um, and lead us in prayer and ask the Lord to help us understand his word at this time. Our Father God, Lord, we come to you right now because of who you are. That's why we come to you right now. Because you are God, Lord, you have created us, Lord, for your glory. So, Lord, we come to you, Lord, to hear more about you. And how we can glorify you. So help us this day, Lord. Help us be a people, Lord, that see your radiant glory, Lord, in every aspect of our lives. They will live, Lord, and die to self, Lord, to make your name known. So, Lord, we ask you to help us at this time. Help me, Lord. I can preach your word with clarity. I can preach your truths. Help me, Lord. Give me strength where I'm weak. And your people here that are struggling this morning. Your people that have heavy hearts this morning. Your people that are afraid. Your people, Lord, that have been mistreated. Lord, your people are hurting this morning, Lord, and they need to hear from you. So, Lord, give your people your word this morning. Let them hear you this morning, Lord, not me. Let them hear your truth this morning. And let all their hearts be encouraged that our God has shown his face again through his word. So help us, Lord, today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
when playing basketball, you guys notice I always use basketball, right? Normally, eventually I probably get into like soccer and hockey. But when you're playing basketball, one way you know that a team has won the game, after the game, you might see a fist pump. You know, you might see this right here as like a victory pump, right? Or you might see after the game, somebody doing this, pointing to the scoreboard, smiling at the other team. Or you might say, you hear the slogan, beep, beep, beep. You better go start the bus. Beep, beep, beep. You better go start the bus. Y'all never heard that before? It might be a dollar thing. That's a dollar store, okay. They didn't do that in Cross then. Cross ain't, ain't used to winning, that's probably why. Yeah, so BBB, they would use that to be able to celebrate that this team has won the game. This team has won. When Memphis win the game, they got Memphis on their chest. They do this right here. They go around doing this. Memphis everything. Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. Look, some of y'all don't play sports. Y'all folks that think y'all good in spades, okay? One way you know a team won the game when they see the opposite team yelling at each other, saying, why did you overbid? Why are you overbidding? Or why are you underbid? Well, I'm not playing with you no more in space. I'm not playing with you anymore. That's how you know that team lost. <laughs> or another person on the team might say, hey, you undercut me four times in the game. And the other team just sitting back looking at them smile and I'm looking at them arguing back and forth and they're smiling because they just won. One way you know you're a nurse, right? One way that you know you're a nurse that you tend to patients. One way you know you're a firefighter. You put out fires and you help try to save lives. One way you know that you are working in a nursing home, right? You care for those that are elderly in, 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 at a living facility. But how do you know that someone have faith? That's what Paul is getting at then is that if those are truly followers of Jesus and they are people of faith, they should be different. They should be different. And not only they, everyone else that are of faith should be looking the same. We might have struggles in life, but we still should see some type of similarity in the life of the Christian. So how do we know if someone has faith? How do we know somebody won the game in basketball? You saw them point to the score. Someone in spades, you see the other team fighting, yelling about who underbidded each other. A nurse, somebody to help save lives, and a firefighter to help put out fires. But a person of faith, we know it because now they have Christ's righteousness, and also they've been adopted. They have Christ's righteousness, and they have been adopted. And they're going to display it to this world. The world's going to see. And they're going to boast about this adoption in Christ. And they're going to talk about the righteousness they have gotten from Christ. And how does it look like in boasting? Again, they're the most humble people walk this earth. How do you know you have Christ's righteousness? You live like it. You live like you have his righteousness. How do you know you've been adopted by Christ? 
You live like you've been adopted by Christ. You know that he will never leave you or forsake you. Again, these things will change the school system in Palm Bluff. These are the things, things that change every block in Palm Bluff. These are the things that shut down liquor stores. These are the things that shut down casinos. By seeing the gospel displayed in Christ's people, showing Christ's righteousness, showing that we are shown and adopted in Christ, that's what turned the world upside down. That's what it does. And how do we know this? This is the same thing that's happened from Abel all the way up to the time of coming of Jesus. All the way up. This has always been God's plan. And we're going to talk about that here shortly. That God's plan has always been about a people being set apart for himself. So the book of Romans is the, the biggest book that Paul has written within his epistles. Paul written Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, and all the rest of the book Paul written. Romans is the biggest book. Romans impact unpack so much. Because at the time in the first century, the empire that run the world was the Roman Empire. This was Caesar resided. They controlled the world. Some would say it was the strongest empire that ever lived in the history of the world. So this church right here was in the midst of the strongest empire. And this church right here was the church that God was going to use to shed the light of the gospel in the midst of the most militarious, right? I don't know if this word. Strongest, powerful kingdom that ever lived. God is saying, this is what takes the empire down. Is loving one another as Christ called to love us. What takes the empire down and shape the world is the gospel. And I'm convinced. That's exactly what happened in the third and fourth century with Constantine, that the actual Roman Empire was starting to bleed. When the Christian church came to Rome, we're starting to see that these Roman people that were believing in Jupiter and Mars, all these different statues, they start becoming Christians. And he always say, you can't beat them, you got to join. You got to join them. And so Constantine was like, hey, how can we put it all together? How can we make Christianity work with paganism? And so for him is that, hey, let's just make this thing work to keep everything civil within the Roman Empire. Family, the gospel changed the world in the third century, fourth century. And went all the way up, you know, to the sixth century, the creation of Islam. How Islam was created, and it came about at the same time, again, a group that didn't believe in the same thing the Christian believed, they made their own religion out of it. That's the effects on what the gospel can do. And so as we walk through this test today, family, this same gospel can change our lives. The same thing that we learn about Christ's righteousness and his adoption today, it can change our lives, but not only our lives, our family. Not just our family, our neighborhood. Not just our neighborhood, our city, our county, our state, our country. In the whole world. Family, it starts right now with us. And that's what Paul is encouraging the church is today. We're going to do it in four points today. Yay! Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right on time. Amen. No, I'm not doing it in three points. Nobody, nobody ever says three, so I got to keep doing four and five points going forward. First point, Abraham didn't boast in his works. 
Point number two, boasting in one works is rejecting faith. That's going to be verse four. Point number three, the one who believes gets righteousness. At verse five, verse five, the last point is going to be the benefits of being righteous by faith. So let's jump right in. Abraham didn't boast in his works. It says right here in verse one again. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? We can examine Abraham's life to verify how he was saved. He is the forefather of the Jewish people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then the 12 sons of Israel. Abraham is part of the Jewish heritage. And how was he saved? This is a very important question. How was he saved? He was in the Old Testament. This was before Jesus even came. So the question Paul brings it for is that let us examine how was, Paul, how was Abraham saved in the Old Testament? Jesus can't, haven't even came yet. So how can Jesus save Abraham? Because of the, this is so important. Because of the Jews, Jacob, if the Jews are saved differently from Abraham, then how the Gentiles and how we are saved, how does all this make sense? How does this make sense if everyone is saved differently? So Paul has been arguing from chapter 3 that all are saved by faith. Abraham's life proved that we are saved by faith. So chapter 3, we learn so many different things. Like, no one is righteous, no, not one. So how can you believe, right, if you don't do anything good? You're so unrighteous, how can you truly believe apart from Christ? So Paul lays out in chapter 3 that no one is righteous, that all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. God. That we, if we get righteousness, it can't be from us, Miss Sean, Miss Kathy. Because all of us are imperfect. We all have messed up. So it had to be somebody that didn't mess up, which is Jesus. He's the perfect, righteous one. So if we want salvation, it's going to have to be from him. And that's what Paul is laying out, though, is that it always has been about faith. And we see this in chapter 4, verse 2 in our text today. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. If Abraham were truly saved by keeping the law, he would have told us. He would have boasted about his self-righteousness. I did this. I was employee of the month, this month. I have done all these good things, so I deserve heaven. I help people that couldn't help themselves, so I deserve heaven. Paul, I mean, Abraham could have said he did these things to try to boast upon himself. But we don't see that here. We do not see that here. He was shared about his accomplishment. But God would have still seen his heart. God knew that Abraham had sinned many times. He reminds us of Adam as well, how Adam didn't lead his wife well. 
Sarah couldn't have kids, so Abraham was okay with Sarah deal with going into the maidservants. So we have seen the continuation man depending on themselves, but God already knew that Abraham, God already had a better plan that God will be the one that provide for Adam and for Abraham. It says in Genesis 16 too, and Sarah said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my maidservant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. Abraham sinned by not leading his wife well. Abraham misled twice authority due to his fear with lying on his wife saying that his, that's his sister. Abraham's good deeds are swallowed up in his failure. Yes, he's done a lot of good things, but look at all these bad things Abraham done. Abraham was horrible throughout the Old Testament in different areas. But we see here that Abraham as well that didn't have a perfect life. So Abraham couldn't boast in living a perfect life. So Abraham can't boast in his works that he did all these things and was saved. He can't boast in that. What did the scripture say? Look at verse 3. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Abraham looked outside of himself and believed in God. You're a little late tonight. He believed that someone outside of himself could save. That's why Abraham, he left the land of the Chaldeans of earth to the land of the Canaanites. Not knowing what was going to happen, he believed God. And Hebrews gives us more detail about this account. In Hebrews 11, 8 through 22, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. He didn't keep going all the way down with what Abraham was doing. So family, Abraham believed God. He wasn't trusting his own righteousness. He believed God. He was saved. So think about family. Do you remember when you were saved? Think back at it. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember a moment of time that you did these things to work yourself to God? If you feel like you did these things to work yourself to God, why do we even need Jesus? We can't work ourselves to God. And Abraham knew that. That's why we need a Savior because all of us is imperfect. All of us have messed up. We all have made mistakes. We all have done these things. So Jesus lived the life that we didn't live. He lived a perfect life for us to trust him. So we look back on our salvation. It was in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. And by believing in Jesus, Jesus counts our life as righteous. We'll learn about that here shortly. So family, we are saved by what Jesus has done. Salvation for Abraham was about believing. I told you guys last week that the word believe and faith is the same thing. It's the same Greek word pistos. But believe is a verb, faith is a noun. When we use, it as, when we use pistos as a noun, it's faith. When we use it as a verb, it's actually believe. It's the same thing. So having faith is having this belief. So Abraham is belief, and God counted him as righteous by having this belief. Abraham didn't believe himself. 
to better make himself right. Abraham believed outside of himself. Point number two. Both of them want words of rejecting faith. Now to the one who works, his wages are counted as a gift, but as his due. The one who is boasting about what they have accomplished has rejected the gift of faith. Again, we do, we do keep the commandment, but we do it because of the part of the Christian nature now. You're going to say, well, I did all these certain things, so I deserve this by God. If God holds it to the standard of justice and What's your judge's name, Michelle? Judge Brown? If, 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 uh, if, if you stood before the judge, right, and the judge laid these things out before you, all these things out before you, right, and you say, I did all these certain things, and the judge would say, well, you have broken this, you are guilty, right? So if God holds us by that standard and say, man, well, I did this right here. I did good in school. I cleaned my room up. I did all these things, God. So what do you got on me then? Well, God said, well, okay. Let me put them on the list of all the good things you did. But I got to put the list to all the bad things you did. So if God's going to be a fair God, he has to take the good in the back and look at all the evidence, don't he? And as God looked at the evidence, family, we missed the standard. We missed the mark. And hunting, they missing this mark like a person that has a bow and arrow when they're shooting at the mark. If you don't hit that bullseye, everything outside that bullseye, you miss the mark. And so for us as Christians, we are called to live this life, to hit that mark, to live a perfect life, but we didn't. And by us missing that mark, we all stand guilty before God. And so Paul is letting us know, though, is that, okay, you want to live, you want to be judged by your works? You want to be judged? You're going to get the gift that comes from that. You're going to get everything that comes from doing that. His wages are counted as his gift. So your wages, what, what is going to be your gift? Of everything now you bring to the table before God. You can't pick and choose what God can judge you off of. But you stand before God, he said your whole life. When you was a little baby. All the way up to your 20s. Your 30s, your 40s, your 70s, your 100s. I mean, ain't nobody in your 100s, but, but all your age, he sees it all. You're going to stand before him. And God's going to give you the gift of what you bring to him and what you bring before him. So Paul is saying, if you want to boast about your works, you receive the wages of your works. And the wages is guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Abraham is not believing in his works. Because Abraham knows that he stands guilty of all the things he's done. So your due is wrath. Your due is God's justice. My due is justice and God's punishment. But we see something change. Look at point three. Deal with verse five. The one who believes gets righteousness. And to the one who does not work, this is not saying y'all don't go to work, y'all. This is not saying don't get a job. This, this is a different type of work, y'all. This is not saying that, y'all. So somebody say, well, the pastor said I ain't got to get no job. I'm, I'm cool. This is not what it's saying here. But we're talking about working in a way of trying to do things to prove yourself to God. 
to try to do these certain things and say, God, I'm righteous because I did these certain things. That's what it means by works. This person is different. This person is not boasting about all these things. This person don't try to show their works before the Lord. But just after the gate, this person, they boast in the fact that their works were not saved. They boast in the fact that their works can't save. Yes, I've done a lot of good things for the poor. Yes, I did a lot of things in our community. But that doesn't save me. That doesn't save me. But what truly saves is something outside of ourselves. But what the scripture said, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. The one that truly that believes in Jesus, they believe or have faith in the one that can justify. The word justify means making right. God is the creator and is perfect. He is the only one that can make one righteous. So this person is trusting in God to justify them, not their words. They accept the guilt of God living the perfect life that they couldn't live. And this is the gift of faith. This is the gift of faith. The gift of faith is said, proclaiming to the world that I have messed up and that no other hope that I have outside of Jesus. Jesus is my only hope. He's the only hope. And I mentioned this last week, I believe, about a ship. You've been out in the middle of a sea. And your boat crash. And no one's there. And there's no life jacket for you. Or no life boat. Or no, what you call it? Raft. None of those things out there. You out there by yourself. And you can't save yourself. You're drowning. You're drowning. You're drowning. You can't swim. You can't raise. You can't get yourself above the water. You're tired. You've been doing it for a day now. You're drowning. You're drowning. There's no way you can save yourself. But all of a sudden, someone come and pull you out of the water. Family, that was us. And talked about in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our trespasses that for all of us was dead. I never have been to a funeral and saw a dead person get up and start doing the stink leg. I never seen that. Or the gritty. I never have seen that at a funeral. Somebody get up and do the gritty in the funeral. At our grave. I've never seen that. Or the two-step. Y'all get the point. But for the most part, though, is that all of a sudden, we were dead in our sin, our trespasses, but it said, but God made us alive. He made us alive. And family, by God making us alive in himself, family, we get his righteousness. And this is faith. It says in the verse, his faith is counted as righteousness. By believing in the Lord, Abraham is counted as righteous. We are righteous because of the gift of from the Lord. We aren't guilty anymore. We are not guilty before Judge Brown. We are not guilty before the Lord. Because you believe in Jesus' works and not our own. All of your accomplishments in life are great. I would tell someone that's in college or in high school, make all A's. Make all A's. Go get the best job you can get. Uh, make major accomplishments in this world. I would say do those certain things. But those things don't save you. But what do they do? That's a testimony to the world that you're living your life with Jesus, how you're trying hard and studying. 
that you want the best in this world. And that's why I said again, you want to see Palm Bluff change? You want to see this community change? It, it starts for us living out what God has given to us, loving one another, caring about each other, dying to self, uplifting one another. They always say, you know, when I grow up and with siblings and things of that nature, that it seems like people in our community, it's hard for us to get forward in life. Like we always trying to downplay each other. We always trying to one-up each other. We always trying to belittle each other and make ourselves look good. Family, that's going to make the community continue being friction with each other. Be divisive with each other. But a true people in Christ they're rooted. I'm glad that the comments you made, Greg, this week in graduating. Miss Sean, I'm glad what you're doing at your job. Jacob, I'm glad what you're doing. I'm glad what you're doing, Miss Kathy. I'm glad what you're doing, Jerry. Brianna, I see you studying hard. Do your thing. And so we want to be able to see a community of people encouraging and pushing, encouraging everybody to do the things of God. So it's not the wrong with accomplishments. It's not the wrong with doing good things. But the good things can't save us. And Ms. Sean said it perfectly this morning. We are saved by God's grace and the grace alone. We are saved by God's grace and God's grace alone. We love catechism. We love playing basketball. All those good things come to church. None of those things save you. But what saves you is Jesus and Jesus alone. And what happened is that it counts as righteousness. So you remember the situation I told y'all as we stand before God on judgment. God's going to see all your resume. He's going to see all these things. But when we stand before God as believers, we have faith in Jesus and God doesn't see our life anymore. He sees somebody else's life. He sees his son. He sees his son life. He doesn't see our failures. He sees his son life, not ours, Christy. So family, ask yourself the question. When you die one day, do you want God to see all these things you've done, the good and the bad, or do you want God to see Jesus in you? You shouldn't have to think about that one, should you? We want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus' life, not our life, legend. So lastly, let's see how people, Paul reminds this Roman church the benefits of having faith. This is going to be quick. It's going to be quick, okay? The benefits of being righteous by faith. Look at verse 6. Just as David also speaks of blessings of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Paul now quotes David in the Old Testament from Psalms. Abraham mentioned how he was saved by faith. But now we see David understand why being saved by faith is very important. That is, it is a blessing that comes with having faith in the Lord. So for those that have counted the righteous apart from the worst, are recipients of blessings. We get blessings. What's the song? Um, bless me, bless me. Yes. Kurt Franklin and um, that's a good one too, but that, that ain't the one I'm talking about. But so, as Christians, we get blessings in Christ. 
we get blessings in Christ. Uh, somebody called me this week and they and sure they threw the money on the stage and the pastor like, no, Gruffalo did it in the past, but something just happened recently. Somebody threw some money up here and they was walking over the money. And it's like, that's his blessings. That's not what they're talking about here. It gives us the blessings that we get in Christ here. Paul, David's going to mention these things we get as recipients of, of faith. He's gonna, we're going to see a couple things. So the first thing we're going to see, the blessings by being in Jesus, by having our faith in Jesus. The first thing we see of the blessing is that our sins are forgiven. Everybody say sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. Seven through eight, it says here. Now Paul quotes Psalm 32, which points us to the impact, impact of faith. The impact of faith is everywhere throughout the Old Testament. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord would not count his sin. The benefits of having faith in Christ is that our sins are forgiven. Those that do not have faith in Christ, sins aren't forgiven. Their sins are on them. But for those that have faith in Jesus, they don't have to worry about their sins anymore. We can live a life trusting the Lord. I always say again is that Christians, we should be the one with the, with the lowest blood pressure. We're the ones with the lowest stress levels. But because we know what we get in Jesus. We know what Jesus has done for us. We know that our sins are, are covered. All the mistakes you have made in the past is covered. They are covered. So David is telling us in, in these verses that David knew that his sins could be covered by the Lord. So David knew that the Lord would not count his sins against him. So it's a blessing to know this. And David, we know this from Hebrews 11. It talks about, and what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and for justice. How was David saved? Through faith. And David know the benefits of having faith is that his sins is covered. So for those of here, family, that's feeling that guilt, the sin that you committed last night, the sin that you committed this past week, that's the purpose of the cross. Because the more your sins, the more grace abounds. So if you got your head down and just feeling all icky, yes, yes, the sin is wrong and God judged sin, but God has already judged sins through his son. He judged Christ that now you get righteousness in Christ for those in Christ Jesus. So if you have your head down today, lift your head up because Christ has already bore your sins. Amen, amen. So if anybody mocking at you, pointing at you, huh, that's the biggest sinner in the room. That's the biggest sinner. And you respond to them and say, yes, I am the biggest sinner, but I trust the bigger Savior. And by trusting in that Savior that he doesn't hold those things against us anymore. But what does it do? It basically want to live for Jesus. For those that are living in sin, they're just enjoying it, sin. You know, and, and they're just enjoying it. They're not living for Jesus. So their, their, their judgment is on their own hands. They're trusting in their own righteousness. But for those that truly living for Christ, they're weeping over their sins. They're broken by it. And they trust in Jesus every day. And they, they fight and everything else. And they're trusting the Lord and they're struggling and trusting the Lord. 
Those are the ones that the Lord has redeemed for himself. So the first benefit we get that our sins are forgiven by having faith. The second thing Paul is encouraging the Roman church is right here that faith gives is given to the circumcised and the uncircumcised. So do God demonstrate on this uh, demonstrate uh, discriminate on his faith? Thank you, thank you. I've been up for about 30 minutes trying to work that out. Another benefit of faith that we all that are in faith, we all get righteousness that are in faith. That should be all my kids. You know, I get something to one kid. Like, Dad, why you didn't get it to me? You know, I did this better than them. I do these certain things. Uh, why well, did this right here? This is different from Jesus. What Jesus gives is that when he died on the cross for sin and he redeemed the people from himself, he gave them all righteousness. It's gave all righteousness. And a lot of them Jews didn't like that either. We are the Jews. We're the only ones get righteousness. We're the Jews that are set apart. Paul was like, no. Jews and Gentiles in Christ, they both get this. So Paul asked the question, is the blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Circumcised are the Jewish people, the Israelites. They were the one that was circumcised in the Old Testament. The uncircumcised were the Gentiles. So you got two groups of people. You have the Jewish people, which is the Israelites, the circumcised people. Then you have the uncircumcised people, which were the people that wasn't Jew or the Israelites. They were like the Gentiles. So this blessing right here, that Paul asked the question that the circumcised, are they the ones that get these blessings? And the blessing, what we just talked about is that sins is covered. So with us, is our sins forgiven because we're just Gentile and some of just Jews? This is a loaded question because if so, if anyone gets this question wrong within the church, it can bring about division in the church. It can bring about that we're better than this group. The whites are better than blacks, blacks are better than whites, Asians are better than the blacks, or Asians better than the white. It brings about division in the church. If we get this question wrong. So Paul is very intentional about this question is. So are the Jews the only one gets this righteousness or get their sins forgiven? Because so, that means the Gentiles and everybody else can't be saved but the Jews. So why the Romans and why the Gentiles in the church then? If God is only saving the actual Jews, why are you Gentiles even coming to the Roman church on Sunday clapping their hands? So we get this question wrong, everything else collapses. But we know that's not true. Because we know Hebrews 11, which mentioned several times, it lets us know that even before circumcision existed, people were already saved. So you believe you're saved because you're circumcised. What about the people that weren't circumcised that God talked about in scriptures? Who was the example we know? Abraham. Abraham. What about Abel? It talks about in Hebrews 11. How all these people are faith. Noah. So you're telling me Noah going to hell? Abel going to hell? Everybody else going because they wasn't circumcised? Paul is asking this question to the Roman church because some people believe in this stuff. They don't believe now, okay, we circumcised, so everybody else, they're not going to make it to heaven. So Paul is like, think about these things. 
So Paul asked about and used the example of Abraham's life. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him then? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Abraham received righteousness by faith before he was circumcised. So man, Paul just dropped the mic on all of them, didn't he? So you're going to say the Gentile can't be saved, then hey, Abraham ain't saved. How are you going to say it? Because Abraham is the father, right? He's the one that everybody chairs. If Abraham says, hey, man, nothing in, the Bible, nothing in the Bible makes sense now. So Paul put this before them. He said, look at Abraham. Greg, look at Abraham. Before he was circumcised, he was already was living by faith. He was already living by faith before circumcision. Circumcision didn't save anyone. But it was an outer profession. That's why I tell him, verse 11, he received a sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So circumcision was to ask you a sign. It's a sign. Of it. What's the sign that you're a basketball player? <laughs> you, 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 you're crossing somebody over. You're scoring buckets. Oh, what's the sign that you're a nurse? You, you're saving lives. Oh, what's the what's sign of you owning your own daycare, right? You, you're managing people. Oh, what, what's the sign of working at Chili's? You're flipping things over. You, you're caring for the people around you. Well, what's the sign for all these things? What a sign... For the people that are faith in the Old Testament, they were circumcised. You weren't saved by circumcision, but it's a proclamation to the world that you were saved by faith and you're living it out. But it was some people, though, they were circumcised and they still wasn't believers. And that's what Jesus ran into in his life. Jesus ran into all these Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees. They were so religiously, religiously strong-minded, they were circumcised, but they were so much antagonistic toward Jesus. They hated the things Jesus was teaching. So the people were circumcised and weren't saved. So Paul gets it here, though, is that for those that were circumcised, that don't mean you was truly a believer. But truly a believer is that a person that believed in God. And that's what Abel did. That's what Abraham did. That's what everybody did. They believed in God. So all of us, we're saved by the same way. For those in Christ. We're saved by our faith. It's always been about faith. So we'll put all the Bible together. Everybody that you're going to see in heaven, we're all together because of one reason. Because of our faith in Jesus. Everybody going to have it in coming around the room in heaven. I'm had it. I'm gonna have a big room, y'all. I'm had a big. I'm had a big. My room will be bigger than y'all. But in the room in heaven, we all gonna be there. We're saved by faith in Jesus, and we get His righteousness. We all gonna be righteous before that. The last thing I think y'all huffing and puffing them. Last thing, last benefit we get. So the first benefit we get is that our sins are forgiven. The second benefit I mentioned that we get is that. Salvation is for all who believe. The Jew and Gentile, for all who believe. The last thing we're going to get at here 
Abraham, the father of the circumcised and uncircumcised. We're adopting them. Some may be asking, why did God bring about two groups of people by faith? Why God can have from Genesis to Revelation just one people, why do we got to have Jews and Gentiles? Why do God have two different people? I think the question is answered right here in the rest of verse 11. Look at verse 11. Everybody look down at verse 11b. The purpose of all this was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness will be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So the purpose in all this was adoption. For God saving a people for himself, for him to be an ultimate father of two groups. Why two groups? To show you the diversity even within the Trinity. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Spirit is not the Son. The Spirit is not the Father. They're all distinctly unique, but they're one God in three persons. God shows his diversity on how he saved people by faith and showing you that it's going to be people from multiple different backgrounds are united together in Jesus. Our salvation as a united people points to the united nature of the Trinity. So what Abraham was doing? Abraham is this bridging figure that God is using. The Abraham is the father of the Gentile people that's not circumcised. Abraham is the father of the Jewish people that have been circumcised. So family, all of our genealogy goes back to Abraham. 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 Two things happen to Abraham. Abraham was saved before he was circumcised. But also Abraham was saved even when he was circumcised. So both groups are accounted for now. Abraham represents both groups. So the Jews come up to Abraham, hey, bro, you can't come into the church today. You ain't circumcised. Abraham said, I'm uncircumcised. And the Gentiles try to come out. They say, you can't come in. Abraham said, hey, I was by faith. So Abraham gets to come in because Abraham was circumcised and he was by faith. Now, what y'all going to say now? So Abraham, he is the type of father who points to the anti-type. Abraham would point us to a greater father. For those in this room that didn't grow up with a father, those in here that was adopted before, you get something that a lot of us don't get. You get to feel this better and a more and a greater magnitude for us, for myself, growing up with both parents. You get to see a father that is faithful that would never leave his children. This father is different from the fathers that we see in the world. This father right here would never make a mistake. This father is going to show up at everything that you got going on in your life. This father right here is faithful. This father knows what we need. And this father right here will be with us until he takes us home to glory and he's going to be with glory forevermore. Family, this is what we get in Christ. We get a father. And Abraham points to that father, a father that gives us righteousness because we needed righteousness, didn't we? 
Oh, we needed our sins forgiven. Our Father know our needs and he meets our needs. So Paul is encouraging the church that Abraham was saved by faith and Abraham has the same father everybody else in this church has. Abraham was adopted. And it points us to the Father in heaven. So how does it make sense in our daily life as I end here in three applications? You, you want to see a good church? You want to see a faithful church? You want to see a church that helped transform this community? You want to see these things happen? We must embrace what we just learned today. How we got righteousness and we are adopted in Christ that we have a father that would never leave us or forsake us. Family, if we are going to boast in life and boast in things in this life and say this is what I'm doing and wanting credit for self for everything, everything that come our way, we're saying, Jesus, we don't need you. Jesus, we don't need you. The family, we must remember that all that we have has been given to us by the Lord. Did you make good grades this semester? Yes. Did you put time into it? Yes, you put time into it. But ultimately, who gave you the mind? Who gave you the strength? Who gave you the certain professor? Who gave you all those things? It was the Lord. Ultimately, the boasting is in the Lord. Amen. So family, our faith and all of our accomplishments must be rooted back into the Lord. If we make everything about ourselves, family, we're going to be the same people right here that are going to divide the people in the church, going to be dividing people in the world. So I encourage you, stop making everything about you. Stop making everything about you. Let's make it about Jesus. Let's make it about Jesus. So before you talk at times, think about it. Before I say anything, am I just wanting attention right now for myself? I want to make it about myself. If so, let me go to Jesus right now. Because at that time, you're saying that I want to worship and I don't want to give it to Jesus and I'm going to keep it to myself to everybody see me, see me, see me. Family, that would devise the church, devise marriages, devise friendship, devise everything else. It got to be about Jesus. Second thing, since our faith is a gift, may we engage one another in thankfulness of this gift. We are polite and generous. We're polite people. We are understanding people. We're understanding people. Very understanding. It's like somebody is expecting a baby. They're expecting a baby and they're drawing, going 100 miles per hour on the highway to get into the hospital. The police officer said, hey, stop, what's going on? They said they're having a baby and the police said, okay, go ahead. The police understood what they was going through. A lot of times, family, we don't understand what people are going through. And a lot of times we put labels and do these certain things. Family, we are people that are considerate. We are patient with people. We are kind to people. We don't throw everything at everybody's face. You did this, you did this. We are so kind. Because we are thankful because God has been kind to us. And we're not going to be kind to others. We just tell God to get his, give his kindness back. Listen, God, you can have your kindness back. If you're not going to be kind to somebody beside you, just tell God to get his kindness back. But if God has given you kindness, be kind to folks around you. Be polite. Stop being nasty and being rude with folks all the time. That ain't ugly. 
Stop pointing people. I'm talking about you. Last thing. Remember this, we have been adopted into a new family. God don't save us to ourselves, but he saves us to himself, but he also saves us into a community. When God saves us into a community, the church gets messy. The church gets messy because the church is full of people that make things about themselves. <laughs> Myself included. That's why the church is messy, because Crescent is here. Because Ashawn is here, he raised his hand. Because Rod is here. Because all of us are here. We are broken people coming together that God has not finished with us yet. Since he ain't finished with us yet, we still got a lot of those drama things coming in here with. But family, we are new committed. Let us treat each other according to the family. This is a family reunion. Every, every Sunday we come back at a family reunion. Only thing we doing, we ain't pouring up cognac and all the other stuff y'all been drinking. But we come in here together Encouraged by what Jesus has done. We're a family. We should be happy to see each other, hug each other on the neck. Happy to see each other. That we made it another week. So we help take care and love children in the church. Could God take care of us? We should not want because our shepherd provides for us. Greg's favorite psalm. He say it every day. Psalm 23. I don't know if you know any other psalms in the Bible. Psalm 23. He said every day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, not want. We don't have to want, family. We don't have to want. He's going to provide for us. That thing you see, you see in the store, and you're walking through the window, and you're seeing all the window shopping, all these things you want, God's going to provide for you. A lot of things, we just try to go out there and get stuff. That, that ain't what God had for you. You went out there and got it yourself. But truly what you need in life, what God wants you to have, he's going to provide for you. As you walk and live out these truths, he will provide for you. So Roman church, be faithful and remember what Jesus has done. Christ Redeemer, church, be faithful in what Jesus has done. And that's what we change this block and change our community. And that's when we see Tay for a governor. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your faith. Lord, you have